Well, a lot has changed over 20 years. A lot goes on in 20 years. So 20 years ago, George W. Bush was the President of the United States. An unknown, fairly unknown, state senator named Barack Obama was still about two years away from becoming a United States senator. And a businessman named Donald Trump was beginning to plan a TV show called The Apprentice. A lot has changed in 20 years. 20 years ago, there was no Facebook. There was no Twitter or X. There was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. MySpace was just beginning to get developed. 20 years ago, all your phone could do was make phone calls and send texts. That's all it could do. 20 years ago, gas was $1.59 a gallon. On a more personal level, 20 years ago, some of you did not exist. Some of you in this room, you didn't exist. I see hands going up all over the place. And those of us who did more than likely have changed a little bit over the last 20 years, you know, a little more gray, maybe a little less hair, maybe a few more pounds, a little less energy, a lot more aches and pains in our joints. 20 years can do that to you. 20 years ago, this month, the Grace Community Church began, we were Sovereign Grace Church when we started, but we began our public services in what was then called Corning East High School. And for 10 and a half years, we met in different public schools in the area and had a great relationship with the public schools in Corning and Painted Post, which we're very grateful for. And every Sunday, a group of people, largely young people, would get up, early and come to church by 7.30 to set up everything. We had to take it in a trailer and um, unload everything, set up the sound system, set up the children's ministry, set up the screen, set up everything. And then after the service, tear it all down again. And we did that for 10 and a half years. And it's so interesting. God is so faithful. Just as we were losing heart to do that and we were getting weary and it just felt like and a number of things kind of converged where it's like we need our own place god opened this building up for us at a fraction of the cost he was originally asking for it and enabled us to purchase this building and renovate it and that was such an answer to prayer over the years there have been ups and there have been downs there have been mountains and there have been valleys there have been plateaus But what I want to declare this morning is that through it all, God has been faithful. He has answered prayers over and over again. And over these years, we've seen salvations. We've seen baptisms. We've seen healings. We've seen people growing in Christ. We've seen lives put together, young people loving Jesus. Marriages strengthened. We had the privilege of sending out a church plant with prayer to Sarasota, Florida. We had the privilege of sending out a missionary family to Thailand. Over these years, we, you, have given tens of thousands of dollars to missionaries, local and abroad. Through the generosity of this church, many financial and practical needs have been met and cared for. Hurting people have found healing. Trials and griefs and worries have been shared. Joys have been multiplied because we get to share them together. We've lived life together and not perfectly, 
But that's kind of, I'm kind of getting the impression that's kind of what life is. Like it's life together imperfectly, amen? And the scripture says his strength is perfected in our weakness or our imperfection. So as we walk this out, his grace is magnified through our imperfect lives. I call it messy grace. So what I want to do as we get into God's Word is I want to encourage you, wherever you're at in life right now, whatever season you're in, whatever's going on in your life, I want to encourage you, God is faithful. God will be faithful to meet you. God has been faithful. He will never stop being faithful. So I want you to hopefully just be encouraged in that wherever you find your life and your heart right now. Let's pray. Father, we just we give you praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and thank you for 20 years for this church, this local body, of your faithfulness, God. And we look forward to your continued faithfulness in this church, and in our lives, and in our families, and our loved ones. We commit this time to You, Lord, and I pray that it will build Your people up and remind us of how good You are. We pray this in the name of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hundreds of years ago, before, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, a prophet named Jeremiah wrote a book called Lamentations. Lamentations means alas. It's a sigh. And Lamentations is a book of sorrow. It's a book of, of sadness. It's a lament over the destruction and the desolation of God's people and the city of Jerusalem and how that impacted Jeremiah personally and deeply. Jeremiah feels like God is against him. He literally feels like God is out to get him. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but he feels like God is out to get him. In chapter 3, chapter 3 opens with these words, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. And then he goes on to say he feels like God is making his flesh and his skin waste away. He's breaking all his bones. This is God. He's not talking about the devil. He's talking about God. God is breaking all my bones. God is like a lion or a bear tearing me to pieces. Jeremiah can't remember what it is to be happy. He can't remember what it was to have a happy heart. He, couldn't re he can't remember. His heart, his hope rather, is on life support. He has no... No sense of hope. In every direction he looks, he sees terrible sadness and anguish. In chapter 3, verse 19, he says to God, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Remember how bitter my life is right now. Remember how anguished, how horrible my life is right now. Verse 20, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. I remember it, God. I never forget for a moment how bitter my life is right now and the anguish I'm experiencing, and it's crushing my soul. I feel weighed down. I feel burdened down with the weight of this 
anguish I feel. My soul continually remembers it, he says. But then in verse 21, Jeremiah remembers something else. But this, he says, I call to mind. But this I remember. And therefore, I have hope. And then comes this precious treasure of a passage that songs have been written about. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. I want you to realize that those beautiful verses were not writ in the midst of a sunny day. You know, in a beautiful life's going great. Those beautiful verses were written in the midst of, I feel like I'm being torn apart by God. I feel like life is so bitter. I feel affliction. But then he remembers the faithfulness of God, the mercies of God, the love of the Lord. And Jeremiah is able to declare that the Lord is, present tense, his portion, and therefore he will, future tense, hope in him. God is faithful, past, present, and future. So I want to share two brief thoughts about the faithfulness of God as we celebrate His faithfulness to this local church and to the church and to our lives individually. And then I want to close with just a few thoughts about what we pray God holds for us in the future. The first thing I want to share about faithfulness is this. Faithfulness is the rebar of God's love and mercy. You heard that right. Faithfulness is the rebar of God's love and mercy. Let me, let me explain that a little bit. When construction workers do work, concrete work, they add rebar or steel bars to the concrete in order to give it greater strength and greater durability. Concrete by itself has tremendous compressive strength, but it is weaker in tensile strength which means it can withstand tremendous downward pressure, but it is weaker when in, in its tensile strength, which means it, 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 it's weaker when it comes to the kind of strain that pulls apart. When rebar is added, the rebar and the concrete become one composite, and that composite is much stronger at handling both the strain that presses down and the strains that pull apart. Sometimes situations, sometimes crisis can hit our lives with tremendous downward pressure. It can hit our churches with tremendous downward pressure. Recently, I listened to the interview of a pastor named Brady Boyd. He took over a large and very well-known, internationally known church called New Life Church in Colorado Springs after their very high-profile pastor, Ted Haggard, fell into sexual scandal. And so Brady Boyd took this church as pastor at a time when this church was reeling with betrayal and disillusionment and, and wounds 
and he's brand new as a senior pastor and he's trying to help this church navigate the hurt and the abuse and, the, and all that that's going on. And four months after he became the senior pastor of this hurting, wounded church, an active shooter killed two of their members and wounded three other members before a voluntary guard, security guard, was able to take this man out. That is on an unimaginably, an unimaginable weight upon a church to endure. But God helped him get through it. The pressure down of that tremendous tragedy upon tragedy. Actually, they came out on the other side stronger. Not easy. But by the grace of God, they came out stronger on the other side. And there are situations that can, that can come into our life that put a lot of downward pressure on our lives, a lot of strain on our lives, on our marriages, on our relationships, and yes, on our church. And just as concrete has a lot of strength when it comes to downward pressure, love, a strong feeling of love, a strong sense of love, a fresh new love can withstand tremendous downward pressure and strain and come out on the other side in one piece. But often it's not the big pressures and tragedies and hardships that tear marriages apart. Friendships apart. Churches apart. It's often the little things that over a period of time pull apart. Cracks begin to show, not from downward pressure, but from pull-apart pressure. The accumulation of hurt, disappointments, taking for granted. What I want to say is faithfulness is not a different thing from love. It's a vital part of love. It's the rebar that makes love stronger in the face of downward pressure and pull-apart pressure. When a couple says their marriage vows, they vow to love one another and cherish one another till death do them part. They vow to be faithful to one another. When someone breaks that vow, we don't say they were unloving, we say they were unfaithful. It's the same thing. But faithfulness is the rebar that keeps love strong under pressure and over time. God's love is steadfast and it never comes to an end. Jeremiah says, it's steadfast and never comes to an end because God is faithful to keep loving forever. God's mercies never end and are new every morning because God is faithful to be merciful every day, every morning, every minute. God makes His promise to us because of His great love and mercy. He keeps those promises because of His great faithfulness. Faithfulness, God's faithfulness isn't a different attribute than His love or mercy. 
It's one composite. And that faithfulness runs through His love and through His mercy so that nothing can break it down, tear it apart, crush it, or end it. His faithfulness is the rebar to His love and mercy. At just the right time, God was faithful to send His Son Jesus. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. You know when He started loving that world? Before the world was ever created. You know when God started loving you? Before you were ever created. And how has He kept that love? Faithfulness. John writes in his epistle, when we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is faithful. Oh, how we treasure His faithfulness. Amen? His faithfulness is such a great part of His love. Great is thy faithfulness means God's love and mercy is strong and loyal and unending God's love and mercy aren't crushed by big things and it isn't, they aren't pulled apart by little things or by time or by strain. So I, I want to just I want to encourage you, believer, you are not straining God's faithfulness. You are not straining. Your flaws and your failures are not straining God's love so that cracks are beginning to form in His love for you. You aren't pulling God's mercy apart. Great is thy faithfulness. Our message here isn't, hey, hope we're good enough. It's God, we need your grace. Jesus, your blood is powerful enough. Great is thy faithfulness. And God has new mercy for us every day. So I want to just encourage you to believe that with all your heart. Jeremiah did. And I'm pretty sure your life's not going as hard as Jeremiah's was. My second point this morning is God is faithful in all directions, past, present, and future. Because we really live our lives in three directions. We're three-dimensional or three-directional. We live our lives, we have the past, we have the present, we have the future. We saw a little bit of the past there in that video. Um, Jeremiah remembers, he remembers the heartache of the past. He remembers the heartache of the present, but he makes himself remember, he calls to mind God's love, God's mercy, and God's faithfulness. And because of that, he will hope. He will hope. The past can bless us with memories. It can haunt us with regrets. The present can fill us with joy. It can weigh us down with worry. And the future can excite us with its possibilities. Or it can frighten us with its uncertainty. For those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord, we can be sure that God holds our lives in all three directions. He holds your past. He holds your present. 
And He holds your future. We can trust God with whatever we're facing today. We can trust God with whatever tomorrow holds. And you know what? We can trust God with our past. That might be the most challenging of it all for some people. If there's something weighing you down today, you can trust God with that thing, with that weight. Is there something filling your heart with anxiety, with sadness? You can trust God with that. You can cast your cares on the Lord for He cares for you. Maybe there's something in the future that you fear. The unknown. Or maybe the known. You know something's coming and you're afraid of it. God holds your future. So trust God and believe God and don't let fear box you in. Believe God for great things for your future. Believe God to meet you in your present. And what do we do with our past? Well, first of all, we can't change our past. But suppose... Well, for, treasure the memories that God has given you. Thank God for the blessings that God has given to you. Give God thanks and bless Him for the, the many blessings He has given to you. Treasure those memories. But I believe we can also ask God to redeem our regrets and our mistakes. We can't go back in time but God can redeem. So maybe there's a relationship and you're like, I wish that had gone different. And maybe it's something you can't even change. But you can ask God, redeem that situation for your glory. Use it in some way. Because God is good at redeeming our mess for His glory. That doesn't lead us to try to make a mess. But when we have a mess, when we make a mistake, when we've sinned against somebody, when we've disappointed, when we've, we've maybe seen a situation and we could have handled it differently, God redeemed that for Your glory. Bring that person around to Your glory. I may not even be able to talk to them. Maybe they're gone. But maybe other people who have been affected. So, you know what? It's bigger. It's... it's it's bigger than we can completely get our handle on. But what I'm saying is, ask God to redeem even your past for His glory. And then do what Paul, who had his own regrets. I mean, he murdered Christians. He persecuted the name of Christ. But he said in Philippians chapter 3, forgetting what lies behind, I press on. So there's a point where we say, God, would you redeem what I did, but don't live life looking out the rearview mirror. Move on. Trust it to God. And move on to serve God for His glory. I want to just share a few thoughts as we go forward to the next 20 years. And... Um, what I'm not going to do is make any real big predictions, all right? I'm lousy at predictions. But uh, when we were planning uh, this 20th anniversary service, my friend Paul, he said it would be a good time to share our thoughts, vision, and what we hope for the next 20 years. So I want to do that. Um, 
My big prediction is that God will be faithful. He will be faithful. Now, I want to qualify that because I don't want someone to come back. This church, this church in the sense of this building and this meeting and gathering of believers, we exist at the pleasure of God. If God wants to close our doors, we will be closed tomorrow. So I don't want to say this church, I pray this church exists 20 years from now, but I cannot predict that. But when I say this church, I'm not talking about this building, these lights, these speakers. I'm talking about you as his church. You are his church. We are his church. God will be faithful to his church for the next 20 years and beyond. I can predict that 100% certainty. Now, here's a few things I believe we are and should be praying for and seeking to achieve in the next few years. The first thing um, I'm going to call, I'm going to say this, and I'm thinking about ending every service with this. I, I believe we should be praying and seeking that Grace Community Church will cast the net on the right side of the boat. Let me explain what I mean. In John chapter 21, the disciples have been fishing all night long, and they have caught nothing. And then the resurrected Jesus calls from the shore. He says, have you caught anything? And they said, we have not caught anything. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And they cast the net and they, have, they, can, they can barely haul it in for the catch that they have. Now, I want to say, it's not a matter of which side of the boat they were cast. It's not like all night the fish were on the right side of the boat, thousands and millions of them, and then there's nothing on the left side and those few feet in between. This isn't about the side of the boat. This is about the Lord saying, you've tried it in your own efforts, now you do it at my command, and you will see the harvest, the ingathering, the fish come into the net. It is my word that brings it. Now, I don't mean in any way, but I think one of the, one of the areas, many believers, not just this, many believers, like why are we not seeing more salvations? Why are we not seeing more people come to Christ? And so I want to I keep that before us, but not as a, you know, we should be witnessing. We should be asking God for opportunities. Absolutely. Cast your net, Jesus said. He didn't say, come on in, I'll get them. But, Jesus, we need it at your word. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, Jesus. Tell us to do that. Tell your church in this community, tell your church in this country, tell your church in this world to cast our net on the right side of the boat that we might see the ingathering of souls because that is the primary job, really, of the church. Make disciples begins by making people who come to know the freedom, the love, the healing, and the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's our primary mission. But we can't do it unless Jesus says, cast your net on the right side of the boat. So let's pray for that. Amen? Amen? Make disciples. That goes along with it. The mission of the church really is to make disciples. May the Lord help us accomplish that mission. And there are some plans, and I, I don't want to make this sound like mysterious or amazingly impressive, because they're neither. But there are some things we've been praying about and thinking about, um, which I am right now tentatively calling the Discipleship Initiative. But basically to add to this church, other other contexts or 
to help us be discipled. And primarily, what I believe is, is so needed today and so important is for us to deepen our knowledge of biblical truth and obedience to that truth. That's, that's I think, our big struggle. Um, and so biblical truth changes how we think when, when our hearts are open. It changes how we think. It changes how we live. It changes how we see things and how we respond. And when our hearts are open, it gives us a heart that wants to obey God. And so that, and that's discipleship. That's what discipleship is about. Not getting to know more information, but knowing His Word. How does it apply to this challenge in my life, to this area that our culture is struggling with, to this area? How does it apply to salvation, to this, to that, and the next thing? And then how does that affect my life? So stay tuned for that. That we would grow and mature as a community of faith. One of the things, I've been looking at different pictures and videos of over the years, and we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of good times. We want to keep that because that's an important thing that there's that sense of community together and loving one another, serving the mission together, caring for one another, encouraging one another to love and good works. Uh, I want to explore new ways for us to serve our community, and that's not new for us. And we've, we've found ways, but we've felt challenged in that. So I want us to explore. One opportunity I'm particularly excited to share about is recently um, I was invited to join the board at the Potter's Hands Foundation, and that's a ministry to young trafficked girls, girls that are being trafficked sexually. And so I brought up at our last meeting, wouldn't it be great if we could do, because they have grounds, and if we could just do some jobs and help them with some of the practical needs that they have. So we won't be on the front line, but we can be on the back line serving them as they serve on the front line. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be an opportunity? And we did that, our youth. I think, Walt, you guys were on that, right? So you guys did that. Um, but I'm looking for opportunities. They've kind of made me facility to help the facility, uh, the guy who's over facility. I don't know why they made me that. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one last thing, and, and this is all just, you know, may the Lord help us to do this so that we just see. But I want to, I'm praying, I am seriously praying, don't take this wrong, but that God will raise up a successor, senior pastor, to take my place. I'm not looking to go anywhere in the next few years or anything, but I would love to begin to see someone raised up into that role because I don't think 20 years from now when we're celebrating our 40th anniversary that I should be leading worship and preaching <laughs> if I'm even able to. I may not even be here. Who knows? Um, we want to hand this baton on to a godly person to pastor and carry on and do far, far more. So would you pray with me for that? I mean, don't pray like it happens in the next two weeks. Um, but, but that God would raise that person up um, for the future. I want to close with this. Here should be all of our biggest goal and our biggest prayer, in my opinion. <clears throat> Lord, help us be faithful to You. That's our biggest prayer. It's not an incredibly bold prediction. It's not a particularly impressive strategy. 
But I believe it's a deeply biblical goal and prayer. Jesus said, the words we want to hear more than anything else when we see him is this. Well done, good and faithful, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He doesn't say, well done, good and successful servant. Good and faithful. You know what's great about that? Is, you know, he says, you've been faithful over a little. Maybe some of us feel like, you know, God's only given me a little. Jesus says, just be faithful over it. That's all. Just be faithful over that little. Paul declared, and it was by the grace of God, but he declared, I've been faithful. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have broken the tape. I have stayed in the ring until the final bell rang. And now, there waits for me a crown of life. What's he saying? I've been faithful to finish the course God gave to me to finish. It's a biblical goal. God, grant us to be faithful to the end. Grant us to be faithful to preach the gospel even when it's not popular. To preach the full counsel of the Word of God even when it's not trending. Or even when it runs against the trend. Faithful to speak the truth of God when it goes against the grain of our culture. With love, with, with, with grace, but speak the truth. Help us to be faithful to love, faithful to care, faithful to forgive. When we're hurt, faithful to trust. When doubt and unbelief raises its head, faithful to walk in integrity and not go down in the flames of scandal. Faithful to seek God's glory and not our own. Faithful to believe for all that our faithful God has in store for us in the days to come. And when I say us, I mean all of us whether this is your local church or there's another church. And for anyone here who, or watching online who hasn't believed in Jesus Christ, Jesus offers you everything. Everything your heart longs for, Jesus offers it. Every good thing your heart longs for. He wants to bring you back into relationship with God your Father. He wants to give you eternal life as a gift. He wants to give your anxious heart peace. He wants to give you hope in hard times, in crushing times, and even hope after the grave. So I just want to encourage you, if you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, call upon His name. Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's not complicated. Believe in Him. Don't resist His Spirit. Don't resist His call. He has so much in mind for you. Jesus died on the cross that you might be saved. And that's a promise the Lord will always be faithful to. I want to ask the team to come back up. We're going to close with one final song. A newer version of Great is thy faithfulness so let's stand together and father we just thank you 
as we meditated on this attribute of your faithfulness, I pray that you will minister it to our hearts this morning and help us, Lord, where maybe someone is flagging or discouraged or hurting, and it's okay to be there, but help them to get a vision that your faithfulness is stronger than their discouragement. Your faithfulness is stronger than their hurt. Your faithfulness is stronger than their situation or their worry. And I just pray they would leave with a heart that is full of faith in your faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.